Well, thanks for coming back. <laughs> you, just, you just never know, right? You know, when you start teaching on the end time stuff, you're just kind of like, well, it's getting swirly around here. So anyway, uh, for those that don't know online, I'm Kyle. Uh, I'm a part of the Time Revive team. We are doing a series called To Number Our Days. We are in lesson 12. Kind of crazy to think. Uh, uh, we have one standing and one sitting. The other teacher in the room is Ray Sturdivant. Uh, Ray's been a good buddy of mine. We've been doing ministry for a long time together, um, and it's always fun. One of these days, we should just have a table and have Chick-fil-A, because that's really how all of this started, was Ray and I having breakfast in the morning, Chick-fil-A. We should bring in the other two knuckleheads, uh, Brian and John, and then it would just really get interesting. But um, anyway, on behalf of our crew, thanks for digging in with us. Uh, We really, really want to just keep going uh, deeper. And I'm going to keep going back to this phrase, the Lord won't release me. This is a deep well that we're coming into. So when I say the title of today's teaching, the Ten Nation Alliance, uh, I'm pretty sure unless you're specific about listening for or finding a podcast or finding something on YouTube, this is probably not a normal teaching that you'll find in your church. Go to Daniel 7. Now, we covered a little bit of Daniel 7 last week, just a little bit. Uh, But I want to give you some time frame here, okay? Now think about this. Daniel 7, it says in Daniel 7, 1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Daniel had a dream with visions. So now he's mixing both. He's sleeping and seeing. He had a dream with visions in his mind as he was lying in his bed, and he wrote down the dream. Remember we talked last week, we encourage you, put a pad of paper next to your bed. It says he was lying in his bed, he wrote down the dream, and here's the summary of his account. Daniel said, in my vision at night, I was watching... And suddenly, and I love this picture, the four winds of heaven stirred up the great sea. Now, this language of this four winds, it's implying like the wind is coming from every direction in the world. Okay, more specifically, look what it says. He stirred up the great sea. This great sea, you guys, yeah, it's a picture of the Mediterranean. But in the Old Testament, this language of the sea, it represents nations and people. The sea usually always represents like the nation's language. Go to Revelation 17, 15, okay? Revelation 17, 15, another picture here. This is the end times picture. He also said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated. Now look how the waters are described as peoples, as multitudes, as nations and languages. So go back to Daniel 7. In Daniel 7, when it says the suddenly the four winds of heaven stirred up the great sea, what are we picturing? We're picturing the nations, you guys, the languages, the peoples. And out of that are going to come four great empires. Does that make sense now? So you got all of this components coming in. And on Daniel 7, it says, verse 3, four beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. Now, last week in Daniel 2, we used that image. Right? Do you remember this? In Daniel 2, we talked about these images of these, quote-unquote, four empires. So Daniel 7, 50 years later, is now going to begin to describe in Daniel 7 another picture in just in a different form. Okay? Daniel 2, Daniel 7 are going to be very, very, very similar. So in, in Daniel 7, 3, it says, Four huge beasts came up from the sea, the nations, each different from the other. Uh, Verse 4, the first one was like a lion, okay? But it had eagle's wings. I continued watching, 
until its wings were torn off. It was lifted up from the ground, set on its feet like a man and given a human mind. I love what John MacArthur says. MacArthur says, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Habakkuk, all of these guys, they use animals to describe Nebuchadnezzar. So here you are again in Daniel 7, verse 4, another image of a lion. And Ray, who does this first group represent? Yeah, the lion, that's Babylon. Okay, so here you have Babylon, okay? Now, if you keep going into verse 5, it says, Daniel 7, verse 5, suddenly another beast appeared, a second one that looked like a bear. It was raised up on one side with three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, get up, gorge yourself on flesh. Okay, Ray, let's go to the second one. Who do we have here for this one? Medo-Persia. Now think about this, all of the storms, the storms are bringing up all of the nations, right? So over history, he's saying now Babylon has an empire. After Babylon, it's going to be the Medo-Persians, okay? That's what he's describing in Daniel 7, just like he showed Nebuchadnezzar 50 years ago in Daniel 2. So now we go from Babylon to Medo-Persia. And then he gets into verse 6, Daniel 7, verse 6. It says, while I was watching, another beast appeared. It was like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. It had four heads and was given authority to rule. Ray, who do we have here? That is Greece. Okay, this is Greece. Okay. Greek Interesting Empire. enough, who's the main leader of Greece that we always talk about? Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. Uh, Ray, do you remember the four heads? Yeah, it was four generals that took over after he, after he died. Yep, good. Amen. So here you have three. Now, here in verse 7, I'm in Daniel 7, verse 7, you've got three empires, they're going to go away. Remember, the storm is coming from the four winds, right? They're coming from all the nations. You see that, it's pretty clear. And whenever you think of the sea, like, it's usually not always a great image, by the way, in Scripture. I always have happy places when I think of the sea scripturally, typically. It's usually not a great picture. Let's keep going here with the four. Now, we're talking about four empires. Okay, but he's describing these empires as beasts. Now, if you are, if you're Nebuchadnezzar, remember this in Daniel 2, you're seeing this, that your empire is going to go away. Now, Daniel's affirming this 50 years later. Oh yeah, all of that, what I saw, it's all going to go away as well. And he continues and he says, while I was watching in the night visions, a fourth beast appeared, frightening, dreadful, and incredibly strong with large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and it trampled with its feet, whatever was left. It was different from all the other beasts before, and it had 10 horns. Okay, so here's the picture. Now, what I want to do is real quick, if we can, in this regards, last week we gave a couple different options. Many people would say, well, it could be uh, the Roman Empire. I will tell you, the more and more that I study, the more in depth that I study, that could be one of them. Okay, I wouldn't discredit it. But I also would throw in this, and I don't know how to spell this, Ray, Ottoman? Yeah. The Ottoman Empire is another option. And now how I want to tie in the Ottoman Empire, and I'm, I'm not going to go into full detail because that's not my point today. I, my point is to talk more about the characteristics. Remember how we did that last week, the characteristics of the empire? I do want to just say this, though. Out of the, uh, the Ottoman Empire, empire could come the Islam Caliphate. Okay, again, we talked a little bit about that last week. All I wanted to say is this empire is nothing like the other three. In fact, we don't even have a, a grasp or a, a process because he's describing something that's future tense. So now in this, okay, is that two things before we get on. I think this is important. Warren Wearsby, if you guys watch Revive School at all, we use him as a commentator all the time. 
But Wearsby does this. He says, prophecy does give us important details about the future that God says we need to know in advance so that when they occur, we're ready. Okay, so we're describing something that is going to be, we just want to be ready for it, which is why it blows my mind why the church doesn't dig into deeper things. So then we're clearly just, either we don't want to get ready or we're scared. I think that's what I love about this group. This, I love these people online is that you guys are willing to say, you know what, I, I would like to be ready for what's to come. And that's the point of this. Now, I want to say this too with what Wearsby says. He says we should never, we need to understand that we should never speculate as to how prophecies are going to unfold if it's not clear. So I'm going to give you an example. People will take the number 666, okay? Tie it to the satanic uh, uh, background and being and all, all this. They'll say, well, it's 666. So the Antichrist has to have three names, 666, and their letters all have to have six letters. I'm giving you an example because that's what people do all the time. They take one prophecy and then they try to fit it in and it's a weird fit in. And it's those things that make us not want to study scripture. Okay, does that make sense? So I want to just kind of debunk all that mindset. I don't want to do any of that. Okay, I don't want to do any of that. But I want to just tell you that these are some options. Okay, but the key is, is what does scripture say? What are the characteristics? I'm not interested in labeling. I'm interested in what are the characteristics because we might just not know. You know, we might have ideas, but we might not just know. And so anyway, we do know this. I don't want us to miss. There's 10 horns. Okay. There's 10 horns on this beast. So sometimes you've maybe heard the 10 nation alliance. There's going to be 10 nations that come together. That's going to form this quote unquote one world alliance, one world government, right? This is the language. But most of us don't really know where do we dig in with that. That's where we get to go today, okay? So in the fourth empire, remember we talked about these characteristics. One of them is 10 kings, 10 kings and 10 nations. Ray, I think it's a fair statement. They're interchangeable. Yes. And it says this in verse eight. While I was considering the horns, the 10 horns, 10 kings, 10 nations, suddenly another horn, a little one, came up among them and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. There were eyes in this horn like a man's, and it had a mouth that spoke arrogantly. Okay, I am going to, because later on in Daniel 7, he begins to interpret all that he saw. So I'm not going to get into crazy amount right here. You do need to know this, and I don't want you to miss this. It says, a little horn came up among them. The little horn, this is the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to come from the ten nations okay so i want to just talk about i'm going to write up some 10 these are 10 nations um and we know that based on scripture the little horn is going to come from him now in verse 9 9 and 10 let me clarify that a little bit because <clears throat> it sounds like uh something happens to those other nations and i think what happens is when he comes up through the one he overpowers the other two, but the nation is still intact. in a line intact. Yes. So it's Good. 10 nations. It's not seven. He's just in charge. Yes. Those yes. three fall in line with him yep. as that, as this little slippery person. Yep. In verse nine, Daniel, remember he's lying in bed. He sees these things. I kept watching. Now this is really powerful. Nine and 10. He says, thrones were set in place in the ancient of days. Yes. Ancient of days as in the father took his seat. 
His clothing was white like snow and hair of his head like white as wool. His throne was flaming fire. Its wheels were blazing fire. This is a picture, you guys, of divine judgment that's coming. Okay, this is a picture of divine judgment. So now, Antichrist slips in. He's over these three right now. Now, the Ancient of Days takes a seat. And the scripture says, this is what he saw. He says, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from the Ancient of Days' presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was convened and the books were opened. You guys, this is literally what you're talking about. The courtroom of heaven is opened up and the judge, the Ancient of Days, is about ready to bring his divine judgment. And yes, it does say a river of fire is flowing. Quit people. People need, in the church need to stop talking about this. Hell is, you know, like you're, you're dead and it's gone. Like it is a forever torment. It's fire. And people always have this way. Well, they die and it's not forever. I just, I want to say that because there's this, a river of fire. Yeah, it, he's bringing the judgment. And so in this, this court convenes because what do you do at court, Ray? Yeah, you, you, uh, you know, uh, there's a way you can look at this as like an American judicial system thought, but it's really, this language is a king's court. Like yeah. he's not, it's not a jury of your peers. He's ruling. He's it. He's it. You don't have a juror. It's yeah. just this guy. Yep. Amen. Here's some background music. It's beautiful. Yes, it's, it's the king's music. <laughs> it's the king's music. All right. So now watch this. In verse 11, he says, I watched. Daniel is watching all of this unfold. The courthouse unfolding. River of, uh, of fire is flowing. I watched then because the sound of the arrogant words, the horn was speaking. This is the Antichrist, the little horn. He's talking. As I continued watching... The beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. Yes, this is actually the picture of uh, judgment on the beast. Now, Ray, just to clarify, all of a sudden we have this language of the beast in here. Who's the beast? And let's correlate this with the little horn. Yeah, so in Daniel's language, I believe you can make a strong case when he talks about a beast. He's talking about this 10-nation federation. He's talking about this right here. Yep. We're talking about an empire. Yes. Okay, that language gets confusing. Keep going. Sorry on that. Well, that, that was really it. Um, you know, you really have to know prophetically when you're reading a prophet like that, the symbolism and kind of what he's talking about. Yeah. Now, in all of this, it says in verse 12, okay, says, as for the rest of the beasts. Now, who are the rest of the beasts? Remember, we're talking empires here, right? Are we, are we not? We're not talking people. We're talking empires. As for the rest of the beasts, the other three, Babylon, Medo-Persia, or Greece, or the lion, the bear, and the leopard, their authority to rule was removed. But now here's where this comes into play. An extension of life was granted to them for a certain period of time. This language of revived languages have you ever heard this like some people say revived roman empire or an empire is revived that's where they go with this it says that all of these empires because right this beast is a reflection of all of these right there's an images of all of these that's where they would go to this text they'd say well some form of this is being brought back to life in this empire but it's going to take a different form okay is everybody with me on that one so in roman uh, daniel 7 12 it says okay an extension for a certain period of time Verse 13, Daniel 7, verse 13. I continued watching. 
Now remember, so the fourth empire is a form of all of three in a different form. It's being revived. It's being brought back to life. Then he said, I continued watching in the night visions. And then this is where, do you remember in Daniel 2, the rock? Do you remember when the rock came in and then smashed out not only the feet, but then everything came crumbling? Now Daniel 7 is going to paint that in a different way again. He says, I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. By the way, both Jews and Christians, theologians would all say this is the Messiah. And he's coming with the clouds of heaven. The clouds of heaven, you guys, this is the language that Christ is coming back. If you don't want to use Christ, you can say the Messiah is coming back on clouds. Kevin, if you would, go to Matthew 24, verse 30. So he's coming with the clouds of heaven. Matthew 24, verse 30, it says this. Matthew 24, verse 30, says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all of the peoples of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You guys, Matthew 24 is talking about prophetically what he saw in Daniel 7. But now go to Revelation 1, verse 7. Revelation 1, 7. Let's just do this. You got the Old Testament, you got the New Testament, and now you got the prophetic at the end. Revelation 1, 7 says, look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him. And all the families of the earth will mourn over him. This is certain. Amen. We know that in Daniel 7, even all the way to Revelation, that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming on the clouds. Don't miss Daniel 7, verse uh, 12 and 13, please. Because 13 says, and he approached the ancient of days. So the son, Jesus, approached the father. This is a cool picture here. And he was escorted before him. He was given. Now watch what Jesus was given. Jesus was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Christ will rule and reign is what Daniel 7 verse 14 says. Can you go to, Kevin, can you go to Matthew uh, 26, 24 for me, please. Uh, 64, Kevin, I'm sorry, I quoted it wrong. Matthew 26, 64. You have said it, Jesus told him, but I tell you, in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus says this. Oh, yeah, you're right. He just puts it all together. And Daniel 7 saw this. 60, 70-year-old guy saw Christ coming. And Jesus affirmed what he said. Now, why is all of this important? Because you need to know that even though we talk about all of these beasts, Jesus ultimately will still wipe out, by the way, all of this. It's just, he, he's one. And so I want you to see that before we begin to unpack some of the other language. Daniel 7, verse 15, As for me, Daniel, my spirit was deeply distressed within me, and the visions in my mind terrified me. In other words, I'm freaking out. I just saw something that I don't know what it is. I don't know how it looks, but I saw something. And in verse 16, but I also think this, MacArthur says it well, I think he was deeply distressed because he saw coming judgment. I think he saw the, 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 the Messiah coming, and the Messiah coming, and he's bringing judgment, and 
If you have an ounce of compassion, you don't want to see that on anybody. So he says this in Daniel 7, verse 16, I approached one of those who were standing by. More people would probably say probably angels, an angelic being, okay? Says that those who were standing by, and I asked him the true meaning of all of this. Hey, what does this mean? And so he let me know the interpretation of these things. He helped uh, Daniel understand the revelation that he just saw. These huge beasts, four in number, are four kings that will rise uh, from the earth. But the holy ones, the saints... Believers of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Again, you know what he's doing at the very beginning? He's giving you good news. All these empires are going to fall, but by the way, if you're a part of his kingdom, it's going to last forever and ever. Don't worry about the four. The fifth is his. That's what he's saying at the very beginning of his message. He should have started that way. And so then he says in verse verse, uh, 19, uh, Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast. Don't we all? Could you tell me what it means? So like you're in good company if you're scratching your head trying to figure all this out. And he says, I really wanted to know that the the, the meaning of the fourth beast, the one different from the others, extremely terrifying. With iron teeth and bronze claws, devouring, crushing and trampling with its feet, whatever was left. And so here you have, I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head, about the other horn that came up before which three fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke arrogantly, and that was more visible than the others. And so he wants to know, hey, by the way, could you begin to tell me about this? I got a lot of questions. I was at Dallas Seminary, and there's always one or two students. You know, the last 20 minutes, they always had the questions, and they were always asking the questions that we all thought. I just never wanted to ask the questions. Daniel is like, could you just one more time, tell me the fourth empire, tell me the ten horns, what do they mean, and what about the little horn? Verse 21, as I was watching this horn, waged war. The little horn waged war against who? The holy ones, and was prevailing over them. There will be an intense battle with the little horn and the ten horns with the holy ones. This is where we get it. Now, Kevin, can you go to Revelation 12, 17? Revelation 12, 17 uh, says, So the dragon was furious with the woman and left to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Dragon is who, Ray? That's Satan. That's Satan. Satan is furious with the woman. Who's the woman? Israel. Israel. And he wanted to fight. So the enemy is going to fight against Israel and against the rest of her offspring. Offspring, it's really interesting. Where does the Messiah come from? Israel. Those who keeps commands and have testimony about Jesus. All I want to just say is in verse 21, you have a prophetic picture of the 10 nations wanting to destroy and wipe out and fight Israel. It says in verse 2, it says, and this is going to happen. Until what? Until the Ancient of Days, it says, arrived and judgment was given in favor of the Holy Ones of the Most High. Do you remember the chair? Do you remember the river of flowing water, or uh, fire? Water, not yet. Uh, The fire is flowing because divine judgment is coming. The courthouse is coming. So the the, the little horn, the Antichrist, is going to have a heyday against the holy ones, against his people, until the ancient of day says, enough. For it says, the time had come and the holy ones took possession of the kingdom. In other words, uh, this is a cool picture of leading into the millennium. 
Ancient of days comes, divine judgment takes place, 10 nations, Antichrist gets lifted. Guess what happens? The next thing you know, you got a thousand years of rule and reign. Whew. You could just dance around in this revelation for a long time on this one, but again, I just want you to see they took possession. This is a picture of a thousand years. It says in verse 23, this is what he said, the fourth beast will be, finally, he's like, finally, you're going to tell me what this means? This will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trample it down, and crush it. This is where people get the language, one world government. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just telling you, this is where people go. So this one world mentality could be, Ray, you've already described this. It's a, it's a region even. When we see that, I mean, God prophetically stays focused on the area around Israel. What it could mean is... You know, does, does this empire have to rule every single nation and person on the planet? I don't think so. I think it's a global influence, and it has a global impact. Anything that's just tied to the Holy Land, that region, it could be, or it could be all of the earth. It could be. I'm not discrediting. I'm just trying to give you a picture of, of some images that you could see in here. So in this picture, it says this, the ten horns are ten kings. I'm in verse 24. Daniel 7, verse 24, who will rise from this kingdom? Stop right there. Okay, so we know, we've already said this, 10 kings are coming from the empire. Now, I want to just say something that's really powerful. Can you go to Revelation 13, verse 1 and 2? Do you remember how I said I was going to come back to the whole Antichrist false prophet thing? I want to go to something. Revelation 13, 1 and 2. I have to tell you this, I never studied it like this. In our conversations with Ray, spending time in the Word, Revelation 13, 1 says, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. Now, so far, if you just saw that with no background at all of being taught anything else, would you not think this is describing the empire already? Remember, first empire, second empire, third empire, coming up out of the sea. It says a fourth beast, a, a beast, it doesn't say fourth, is coming up out of the sea, and it says he had ten horns and seven heads. Th does this not feel like it's describing what? The fourth empire, the fourth beast. And he says, on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And then he says in verse 2, this is what really did it for me. Uh, the beast I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like bears, and his mouth was like a lion's mouth. And then dragon, the dragon Satan, gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. When we read that language, you automatically go to a human. But I want to propose just what Ray has said earlier. I want to propose it goes to an empire. Does that make sense, Ray? You want to... It talks about Satan seeing him coming up from the sea, and the sea are all of the agreement from the people groups that empower this empire. And I believe you can also make the case it's the empire and a spirit that's underneath Satan's rule and authority coming up with the, you know, the, the power that's behind this empire. That's good. If Revelation 13, 1 and 2 could be the empire mentality with the demonic spirit, with the undertone, I want you to go to Revelation 13, uh, specifically, uh, I want you to go to verse 11. Here's why this thought, and I, this comes from Ray, 11 and 12 could be another picture of the Antichrist. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, not out of the sea, but out of the earth. And look how he's described. He had two horns like a lamb, but he sounded like a dragon. And he exercises all, now watch, in verse 2, all of the authority of what? The first beast, which is the empire. 
on his behalf. So now this quote unquote, this person, that, the false prophet, this, this little horn is representing the empire. And he compels the earth and those who live on it to what? To worship the first beast, to give in to the empire. Does that make sense? Whose fatal wound was healed. I'm not going to get into all that. I'll, I'm just trying to show you sometimes ways that we're taught doesn't always necessarily align with what scripture says, but because it's ingrained in us in teachings, I just want you to test it. That's all. My whole point is this is not to prove one way or the other. My point is this. There's four empires and the, and, uh, the little horn is coming out of it. The Antichrist is coming out of it. So what are the characteristics of these 10 nations? You're like, finally, let's talk about these 10 nations. Okay, now we're going to hang out in Revelation 17, Revelation 17 to describe the 10 nations. Okay, so we've been in Daniel 7. Now we're going to Revelation 17, 17 verse 12, Kevin, if you would. We're going to go 12 through 18. Now, at this point, you have to understand the 10 horns you saw are 10 kings, okay, so we're already on the same page, who have not yet received a kingdom. Ray, what does that mean in brief? Well, it means that these, <clears throat> this is obviously just another reference to this end times empire, yep. and so they are not, they haven't forged this alliance yet. Okay, they haven't formed an alliance yet, but they, so they don't have an official group, Yep. right? Okay, so they haven't received this. Now keep going into verse 13. It says uh, that they have, this is interesting, they have one purpose. Okay, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. Their one purpose is to destroy Israel. Psalm 83, 3, 4, and 5. Let's just go there. It's just that, yeah, starting 3. They devise clever schemes against your people. They conspire against your treasured ones. It says in verse 4, they say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation so that Israel's name will no longer be remembered. For they conspired with one mind. What? They form an alliance against you. And then it begins to list, yes, actual people groups in 86 and on. I'm going to describe that just very briefly. But I want you to know their one purpose, wipe out Israel. Iran's whole goal in life, wipe out Israel. They called, uh, you know, what are, are they the big Satan and we're little Satan? Isn't that what they call America and Israel? Like, that's their goal. So whenever you hear one of the indicators of the 10 nations is if they want to wipe out Israel, I'd watch out for them. This is why you got to watch Israel. Okay, a couple other characteristics of the 10 nations. Kevin, if you go back, it just says they give their power to the beast. And I'm going to combine this because of time. They're giving their authority and power to the beast. Yeah, to the empire. To the empire. I'm just trying to say it again over and over. And if you want to go there, the, the spirit behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, hopefully this makes sense. Now keep going and look what it says. These nations, it doesn't say that, but I'm putting that in there for you. These will make war against the lamb. Make war against the lamb. Okay, these are describing the 10 nations. That's why it gets all inside of me whenever you hear about these countries, whenever you hear Hamas, okay, in the Gaza, whenever you hear Hamas say our number one goal, and you can read it in all their writings, is to wipe out Israel. That could be an indicator. They could be a part of this. You say, well, they're not part of the nations. I'm just getting us to start watching. That's all my goal is. My end goal, and you probably can hang up now and you won't even listen, I'm not going to give you all exact 10. I'll give you some ideas. Okay, but Hamas, Hezbollah, from the north, their goal, what? To wipe out Israel. These are indicators, you guys, that somehow maybe they fit into this. But they haven't received a kingdom yet. 
They haven't formed an alliance yet. Okay? Okay, you guys are doing good. Now, keep going. Uh, it says this in Revelation 17, uh, 14. But the Lamb will conquer them, by the way. Praise the Lord. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Those who are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. They're going to lose. Now, watch in Revelation 17, 15. It says, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated, the Babylonian empire, okay, that's the language that they use, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. 16, the ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. Now, this is one that gets weird. They're going to hate the prostitute. Ray, who's the prostitute then? Well, it seems to represent kind of the world system. If you think about what Babylon represents and... You know, can you make that out to be a city? You, you can't identify the city if you do that. I think it's safer to say that what, they, what a characteristic of this empire is, is they're going to have kind of a perverted hatred of the world system. Okay, so do you even hear that? You think a lot of times, I think, I don't mean you guys personally, but like a lot of us, we think when you hear the ten nations, it's basically going to be the world versus Christ. What I hear in this is it's 10 nations that are actually going to hate everything else. So, like, there's even division with them and the world. Is that fair? I mean... Yeah, and, you know, if you look at what Paul called the doctrine of demons, mm -hmm. do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, and what you see uh, in a lot of real strict, you know, religious mindsets mm -hmm. is this fleshly separating from the world. Yeah. And I think... That could be a reflection of what it's talking about. Okay. We're still talking about the ten horns, the ten nations, the ten kings. Okay. It says they will make her desolate. This is the empire, the Babylonian empire, that, that system, the world system. Desolate, naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. I, I, don't, I need a word to describe all this. Uh, they're really bad people. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> But you guys, here's what I want to say. We talked about this offline. Spiritually and physically, they will go after everybody that's not them. You pull back for a second with that kind of language. There are some places and people in place that this could begin to unfold. There are religions that that's their whole goal. Scripture then continues on, Revelation 17, 17. For God, this will really kind of mess your theology, has put it into their hearts to carry out his plan. Ray and I have a discussion. This is what started the whole end times, by the way. This conversation, did God do it or did they do it? Okay. For God has put it into their hearts, the ten nations, the ten kings, to carry out his plan by having one purpose. What's the one purpose? To get rid of Israel and to give their kingdom to the beast until God's words are accomplished. God is, however you want to see this is unfolding, however you want to see, ultimately we know God's words are going to be finished and done and accomplished. And he's going to actually use these guys to finish out his purpose. Now, did God allow it? Did he ask them to have? I don't, I don't want to get into all that. The point is, is it's going to happen. I'm going to write what it says on scripture. God put it on their hearts. This is a fair statement. God can use a believer or a non-believer to, to get a point his purposes. Amen? But then he also, they also give their kingdom, right, to the beast, to the empire. Yeah, I don't even know how you guys can read this. Give their kingdom to the beast. And then it says in Revelation 17, 18, And the woman you saw is the great city that is an empire over the kings of the earth. We'll hit a pause on that one right there. 
This is a description of the ten nations. These are some of the characteristics that you should be, we should be watching for. Now, okay, let's go to a map super quick. This is going to be fun, okay? Depends who you ask. Where do these nations come from? Where do people get their list of nations? Most would go, okay, to either Ezekiel 38, which there's only a list of four groups in Ezekiel 38, okay? In Ezekiel 38, what you can see is that some people would say, well, there's Turkey could be one of these nations. Iran could be one of these nations. Sudan uh, is another one that people would say, which I'm going to circle, by the way, Sudan and Ethiopia. They, a lot of people, they call it Kush, or some other people also say Libya. That's where these come from in Ezekiel 38. Psalm 83 is another controversial one that Ray would love to talk to you offline about. <laughs> but I will tell you, uh, there's some great sources out there. Joel Richardson, I'd encourage you to look up some of his stuff. He's got some things, but not everybody equates Psalm 83 with Ezekiel 38. But this is where you're getting your lists of nations from, okay? Just so you kind of need a starting point. Some would say in Psalm uh, 83, if you were to do that, okay, then you would have uh, Jordan. You would also have uh, Iraq. Some other people would say Egypt. Uh, Want to go to Lebanon. Some would say in Psalm 83 of Saudi Arabia. And then you have Syria. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, this is one perspective, okay? So here's why this is a safe teaching. I'm just going to circle some more countries so that you can also see, by the way, some people would say that uh, in Russia, which would just be up here, Rosh. Some people would say Germany because of Gomer. Uh, And all I would say is this, you guys. When you hear why people are studying these texts, go a little bit deeper about where they get their source from. That's the key in understanding a little bit more clarity of the ten nations. Is that fair? Like, don't just take it at face value. So why I'm circling these is you can say, okay, God, where does this fit in Scripture? Okay, so I'm giving you a couple other options. But honestly, what, what some people do is then when they circle Israel, I'm not circling Israel because they're one of the countries, but in Israel is a bunch of groups. Some people say, like, you have Palestinians, you have Hamas, you have uh, Hezbollah. I'm not categorizing people. I'm just These are people's arguments, okay? And they're all listed in Israel, okay? So that's why I'm circling that layer. So these are some of the thoughts of the ten nations. Now, do we know? Remember how we started at the very beginning? We don't know 100%. Ray? Uh, just one principle that... Uh... I just want to throw out there is when you are researching these countries, you want to, I think, think about what the prophet was seeing in his day and what he's prophesying about. And what some, some, uh, you can get into a very unwieldy place if you don't look through that lens. Yeah, that's good. One other aspect I want to do, because I didn't do it justice, one commentator actually references Magog. You have Gog and Magog. Again, I haven't done any justice to this teaching as far as who is what. I, I totally understand. But they would also say most of the stans are a reference to Magog. So I just, again, trying to give you different perspectives of where they could come from. And I think you got to go back to Ray. What, what is the, the vision? What is the dream in that context? And then Lord, show us. But here's the deal. 
If it's the 10 nations, is it going to matter to you if it's Libya or Egypt? Maybe it might. It might, because why? The Antichrist is coming from one of these 10 nations. So it's good to dig in. It's really good to dig in. But as of right now, none of us can automatically, dogmatically say this is them. Fair statement? When we get dogmatic about things that we can't, we shouldn't be dogmatic about, it is what turns people away from this instead of seeing the bigger picture. That's not our intent at all, but we wanted to show you what are theologians saying and where are they getting it from. Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38 is primarily the text, and it's still kind of loose. And that might be a Daniel 12, 4 down the road. All of a sudden, it might just start clicking. But at least we're prepared for start looking where and what does that look like. So let's wrap this thing up. You guys have been awesome. Thanks for digging in. Kevin, can we go back to Daniel, uh, if you don't mind? Daniel 7. Remember the 10 horns. I'm in verse 24. 10 kings will rise from this kingdom. And then it says another different from the previous ones will rise up after them and subdue three kings. Now, now he's describing the little, uh, the little horn, the Antichrist. Isn't it crazy you already know this language now? Like, this doesn't have to be scary or intimidating if you just slow down. Slow down and look at the text, and how does it all fit into the picture? It says in 25, I'm not going to do this today. I had a whole characteristics of the Antichrist, but I will just tell you this. It says, here's some characteristics. He will speak words against the Most High. Eventually, we know he's going to blaspheme God. Remember, eventually the Antichrist is going to stand in a temple, and what is he going to say? I am God. So he clearly is going to, what, uh, speak against the Most High. He's going to oppress the Holy Ones of the Most High. So he's going to come against the saints. He's going to come against Israel. And then it just says he will intend to change religious festivals and laws. He'll begin to shift and move things so that he could advance his own purposes for the empire. He will intend, what, to change these things. And then the Holy Ones will be handed over to him for a time, times, and a half a time. Hence, three and a half years. Okay? Tribulation is seven years. You've got three years that's not just necessarily peaceful, but the last three and a half years is called the Great Tribulation. So it says that the Holy Ones will be handed over to him for a time, times, and a half a time. It says in 26, but the court will convene. This is like the music plays. And his dominion will be taken away. And to be, yeah, can you turn your phone on? We need your phone again. And to be completely destroyed forever. Verse 27 says, The kingdom, dominion, and the greatness of the kingdoms under all the heaven will be given to the people. Uh, <laughs> there's so much teaching to this. The holy ones of the Messiah. The holy ones are going to actually be given, you guys, the ability to rule and reign with him. And it's so everywhere in, the, in Revelation. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will serve and obey him. 28, it wraps it up. This is the end of the interpretation. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts terrified me greatly. <laughs> and my face turned pale. I need water. But I kept the matter to myself until he wrote it down for all of the world to hear. And so here you have some of the most incredible pictures, uh, honestly, of, of all time, uh, describing this 10-nation uh, alliance that's going to come against uh, Israel. That's why we watch Israel so closely. And then eventually, the Son of God is going to, Son of Man, is going to come and literally destroy that fourth empire and establish the fifth that will never go 
away. <laughs> Whew. Uh, just as a, as a picture in the New Testament, there's a couple images of the Antichrist, but there's not many. And maybe another lesson we could spend some time unpacking a little bit more about the timing and what that looks like. But I wanted to, to say, hey, as far as the Ten Nation goes, you guys now know uh, some of the characteristics of what it would look like. Daniel 7 ties in beautifully with Revelation 17.